This is Oasis City Radio Music. This is Oasis City Radio Music. This is Oasis City Radio Music. Twenty-four hours a day at oasiscityradio.com. Tune in, iHeartRadio, and the Oasis City Radio app. This is Oasis City Radio music. Oasis City Radio. Would you just hold them up, wave them at me? If you have your iPhone or your uh, or your Android or your uh, whatever, you got a Bible somewhere, you have access to one. But if you got one of these, um, make the pages rattle because I like to hear that. You know, I think it sounds like angels' wings or something. I don't know. But uh, hey, just say this great confession over your scripture. Say, "This is my Bible, and I really love it because these are living words. As a matter of fact, these are God's words." And I'm being changed today. Hey neighbor, you can be changed too. Because of God's word. Amen. Alright, well, um, we are in week, uh, I don't know why I set this up backwards. The table was on this side of first service. I had him switch it. And then I set it up backwards. Sorry, personal problem up here. We're on week six of our Strange Things series, and today's the final message. Have you enjoyed it? Yeah. We've been teaching on the uh, supernatural, uh, which we do often in this uh, church, but we've specifically been talking about uh, hearing and seeing in the spirit. Um, we've been talking about angels and demons. We've been talking about um, uh, our our gift of tongues and, and your, your supernatural prayer language and how you can use that and what it does for you. We've been talking about seeing in the spirit and hearing in the spirit. And today uh, we're going to wrap it up with uh, teaching on spiritual gifts. How many of you would like to know more about your spiritual gifts? Or how about how to use them? Yeah. Um, God loves giving gifts, uh, but it's our responsibility to kind of learn how to use them. If he gave you the bike, you need to ride the bike, right? And you need to take the training wheels off at times. Um, and so, so today we're going to talk about spiritual gifts. And we as a church have been focusing on seeing the unseen. Uh, that's been our theme scripture that we, we're not seeing on the things, uh, that are seen. We're not focusing on the things that are seen, but we are actually focused on things that are unseen. And so spiritual gifts are unseen before they're seen. Certain things happen because of the gift being utilized that brings it into the natural. But spiritual gifts, they begin in the unseen. And you have uh, spiritual gifts. God is spirit. God loves spirit. He says he is spirit. And he describes himself as holy spirit. That means there's some unholy spirits. He says that he's Holy Ghost. That means that there are other kinds of ghosts. And he's the Holy One. The the One. And so he loves spirit. He loves spirit things. And the unseen is not unreal. So if you'll go with me right now to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I would like to begin uh, teaching in this scripture. Uh, verse 4. We'll start there. It is the same Holy Spirit who continues to distribute many varieties of gifts. The same Holy Spirit. 
The Lord Yahweh is one, and he's the one who apportions to the believers different varieties of ministries. He gives different varieties of ministries to you and I who are believers. The same God distributes different kinds of miracles that accomplish different results through each believer's gift and ministry as he energizes and activates them. Each believer is given continuous revelation by the Holy Spirit to benefit not just himself, but all. Spiritual gifts are not for you, but they are for all. They're for the benefit of all. For example, the Spirit gives to one the gift of the word of wisdom. To another, the same Spirit gives the gift of the word of revelation knowledge. To another, the power to work miracles. To another, the gift of prophecy. To another, the spirit, uh, the gift of, to discern what the spirit is speaking. To another, the gift of speaking different kinds of tongues. And to another, the gifts of interpretation, the gift of interpretation of tongues. Remember, it's the same Holy Spirit who distributes, activates, and operates these different gifts as he chooses for each believer. It's the same Holy Spirit, and he's the one responsible to distribute, to activate, and to operate these different gifts for each believer. That, and he's the one who chooses to do it. He, he's the one who distributes these gifts. Um, it's my personal belief that these gifts of the Spirit, they're all, they're accessible to all of us. We, we can at times, uh, participate in all of these, but on these levels because it's the nature of Holy Spirit. But there are certain ones of us who have a particular gift. And another person might not have it. So you can't come to me and complain to me that you don't have that gift. you got to go to the Lord if you want it. And what we'll learn today is he actually, because they're gifts, he's a giver. And it doesn't cost you anything because he paid the price. And he actually says that you should desire spiritual gifts. So you can ask God to give you something and he will give it to you. That's pretty cool. And if he gives you one and you want more of another, then that's between you and the Lord. But but you and I have access to all of these wonderful gifts that are listed here. And there are other spiritual gifts listed. These are particularly the nine ones that are listed in this chapter. But there are other characteristics that are gifts of the Spirit as well that are listed throughout the Scripture. But I'm just today going to focus on these nine gifts. So we have the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the gift of faith, gifts of healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, discerning of spirits, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and the interpretation interpretation of tongues, these nine gifts, and the Lord freely distributes them, and the Lord freely activates them, and it's our responsibility, though, to actually use them. It's our responsibility to ride the bike if it's given it to you. It's our responsibility, just like... um, I'm going to teach on these uh, gifts, but you know how we've been praying that as you pray in the spirit, it builds yourself up in your most holy faith. So there's this idea that you were at this stage, but praying in the spirit, because God loves the spirit, as you pray in the spirit, you're building yourself up in your holy faith. So you're going from like this stage to like this stage. It's like if you went to the gym and you built your physical body up from this stage to this stage to this stage, we can actually do that with our spiritual gifts. We can become sharper. We can hear God more clearly. We can actually work and build up spiritual gifts, but we do that in the spirit. And we do that in obedience to Christ as we live out and walk through our daily lives and we exercise, that's what that word build up means, we exercise not just the natural, but we exercise things in the spirit. Got me? Okay, you got to get that part. The other parts are going to be hard to get. Anybody would like to learn a little bit about the word of wisdom? Anybody like to be wise? Oh, Yoda, you know. A wise one. I'm gonna, which each gift, I'm just gonna read a, a description and, and the definitions come from various sources, uh, plus my own brain, uh, and the way I communicate to be able to describe certain things. And we're just gonna kind of, uh, go through them, uh, from there. So, uh, the first three, we kind of take these nine gifts and as, uh, uh, theologians have kind of broken them down into three categories. So the first category is the revelatory gifts. And the top three of those fit into the revelatory uh, gifts. And you'll find uh, wisdom, say wisdom, a portion of God's wisdom received supernaturally and delivered naturally. The gift provides foresight regarding people, places, or things. 
Those are all nouns, by the way, if uh, you learned that in school. It can also be used to solve problems, resolve conflict, and give advice. Words of wisdom uh, can be used to solve conflict. Have you ever been involved in conflict before? Uh, wouldn't you have like a, a wise word that could just come in and resolve something that you've been arguing about over for a long time? That's how the word of wisdom is used. Um, the word of wisdom is often futuristic, but it's not the same as prophecy. Um, a lot of these gifts, uh, they work inter uh, kind of hand in hand with other gifts and some of them have a lot of similarities but they are distinctly different and wisdom is different than knowledge and wisdom and knowledge are both different than prophecy um, and sometimes they are described uh, people say I had a prophetic word but you may have really actually had a word of knowledge you may have had a word of wisdom it's prophetic in its sense okay in the general description but they're actually Different gifts, different words, and they're applied uh, differently. Uh, prophecy informs you of what happens in the future, what will happen in the future. That's prophecy. A word of wisdom will tell you how to deal with what happens in the future. It's very different than knowing what happens in the future, but how to deal with it. And that's why you and I uh, need to understand wisdom. Let me give you an example out of the scripture of a word of wisdom. Acts chapter 18, verse 9. And the Lord said to Paul in the night by a vision, Do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you, and no man will attack you in order to harm you. For I have many people in the city. And he settled there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. This is a great uh, example of a word of wisdom, not a word of prophecy. The Lord's not just prophesying to Paul and saying, I want you to go there and preach to them. Paul's already there preaching and God gives him a word. And the word is, don't be afraid. No one's going to harm you. So Paul had to be thinking, I might be in the wrong city. Or I feel some um, an antagonistic uh, spirit out there. So I'm going to preach one night and I'm going to move on to the next city for my crusade. Okay. This is obviously, if you read into this, Paul's probably dealing with some animosity, some people, some gruffness, or he has to convince them. So the spirit of God, by a word of wisdom, speaks to him. And here's what happens. Not only is he said, don't be afraid. I've got other people in the city. The word of wisdom is saying, I've got other Christians in the city, Paul, that's going to support you. But he actually stayed there a year and a half and preached. A word of wisdom was able to take Paul from just going through fly-by-night, preaching the gospel, and moving on to the next town, to be able to set up camp in one city be, through a word of wisdom so that revival and the gospel could be preached. It was a word of wisdom that said, stay there a year and a half. How many of you would like to, a word of wisdom to know how long you should have stayed in that job? Oh man, I should have been. If you had a word of wisdom, it would give you the ability to say, I know there's conflict, but let me show you how to deal with conflict. I want you to stay. I want you to preach. And I got other people I'm going to bring to you. Wisdom tells you how to deal with what's happening in your future. Amen. Knowledge. Knowledge is different than wisdom. Yes, they both have this. Uh, they both have something about information. A word of knowledge um, is more often something you see given in a public meeting uh, like this, a public church service. Uh, you'll see words of knowledge given from the platform. Somebody is dealing with knee pain. Somebody has a migraine headache. That's a word of knowledge. And to give you just a kind of a little bit of a description of word of knowledge, it's an insight through God. It could be an impression, a vision, or his voice of understanding speaking to you about knowledge of something that you do not know in the natural. It's a spiritual knowledge uh, rather than a natural knowledge. Uh, it may include knowing facts, um, such as names, dates, events, these kinds of things. You see them, like I said, in a public setting. You see oftentimes uh, um, uh, words of knowledge being utilized, but you need to make sure, you need to recognize it's different than wisdom. It's not really talking to you about a future thing and how to deal with it. It's talking about something that's occurring right now in your life, and you need it to be dealt with. Oftentimes you hear the little saying, what God reveals, he will heal. We use those little terms in words of knowledge when we talk about healing. Um, I tend to, uh, but a word of knowledge is not prophecy. 
Okay, uh, it may be in your general term prophetic because we kind of we kind of have this this new verbiage. Uh, well, it's not new, but I mean we kind of focus on these little verbiages sometimes, and we put things in certain categories. But this is a revelatory gift from the Lord. Um, personally, I have operated in words of knowledge, and I do uh, it like giving an example. You know, I I do it semi often. However, I feel like I'm much better giving uh, at prophecy than I am at words of knowledge. That's just me personally. I see a lot more in my ministry through the uh, through a prophetic word than I do in words of knowledge because just sometimes uh, I don't see the response. And so that means maybe I need to learn this word of knowledge a little bit more. It's kind of like, um, uh, you know, the you know, you stand up here and you're like, okay, somebody, I have a word of knowledge for somebody that has, you know, their left big toe just got uh, broken and nobody raises their hand. Nobody wants to be the preacher at that moment. It's like, oh, he did it. He said that nobody responded. And I've been there before. And then I have given reason in my natural mind to say, oh, they're just too, too proud to admit it. <laughs> or maybe that was for somebody online. And then they say, uh, no, we weren't online that day. Oh, you know, well, maybe, maybe, maybe I just missed God. But if you don't take a risk, you'll never know if you are operating in a word of knowledge. Was it just a thought? Was it just, was it just me or is it really God? And yes, there's a responsibility on somebody else to say that is me. And I have been, I have given words of knowledge before from the stage that nobody responded to. I felt like an idiot and I went to the lobby and they said, Oh, that was me, by the way. And I'm like, will you, I'm like, okay, that's nice. Or I'll get the email the next day. They let me sweat it out, you know, 24 hours. Thank you, Pastor Bill, for giving that word. That was directly to me. I was like, oh, you know, we could have done something about it on Sunday morning. (laughs) These are the ways you you humble a preacher. But this is how words of knowledge are given. And I just find that in um, one of the ways that the Lord was speaking to me on a word of knowledge that I didn't realize, I've grown up. In life, in this, this is how I build the faith. I want to teach you some practical things. This isn't, this is not necessarily a manuscript, okay, a manual of how God does it. I'm telling you about my, my experience. My experience was I would suddenly, uh, feel, I would actually feel things in my body that were unexpected, like, uh, a sudden back pain. And, uh, now either it was because, uh, back pain because I was working out, and I'm sore the next morning, or it's back pain because I'm not working out, and you know, and then everybody been injured that way. You can hurt your back worse by being out of shape than in shape. Uh, ask me how I know. And uh, then, but I would have a back pain, and it would feel like a back pain, like I hurt myself, like I overexerted myself, and and. I would recognize God was showing me that that was actually a word of knowledge where I was feeling something that he was trying to explain to me that somebody else was dealing with in the room. And when I would acknowledge it, the pain would go away. It was like an indicator. Now, God doesn't always do that. And as a matter of fact, he doesn't do that with me very often. But when he does, I recognize it. So, so for example, you could utilize that at the grocery store. When you're down the cereal aisle and all of a sudden you have a neck pain that just showed up. You don't have a history of neck pain. You just, you're, you're just walking in the grocery aisle. All of a sudden you have this pain. You could say, Oh man, I need to take some ibuprofen when I get home. Or how did I do that? Or, Oh boy, I need some rest. Or you could think maybe the person that's reaching for the Captain Crunch standing next to you is also the one dealing with that. And God's giving you a word of knowledge so that you can then take the risk of saying, Hey, by any chance, you'll never know it's a word of knowledge unless you test it. Ah, that's the hard part. The hard part of Christianity, obedience. Welcome to the club. So you can ask for words of knowledge and God will say, I've been giving them to you, but until you act on them, or activate it, you'll never know that you're not getting a word of knowledge. 
Amen? That's my challenge to you. Would you like to see a word of knowledge in the scripture? There's many words of knowledge in the scripture. Jesus operated in all these gifts, and you can see them uh, throughout the scripture. But um, uh, one of the very first things Jesus ever did that we see in, in, in scripture was he operated in the word of knowledge. I'm not even going to give you that one. I'm going to give you John 4. Uh, he said to her, this is Jesus, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have correctly said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one whom you are now with is not your husband. This you have said truly. You don't want to be that girl in that situation. Because, I mean, Jesus is acknowledging the fact that you're not a liar You have said this truly, but let me be real clear that you're not telling the whole truth. All right. And so, so Jesus recognizes automatically that, uh, and tells her something that he in the natural does not know. And so that's how a word of knowledge is activated, uh, in the scripture. And, um, you know, that's, that's one of the ones that's like, Oh boy, if somebody calls it out, it's better to say yes than it is to say no. Because then you wrestle with it and God's like, I've been trying to get get your attention here. Let's talk about discerning of spirits. Personally, I am under the personal persuasion that this is one of the most underutilized gifts in the body of Christ today. I find that many Christians uh, are dealing with and battling a whole lot of stuff that if they just recognize the distinguishing of spirits, the discernment of spirits, that they would spend a whole lot less time, effort, money, and arguments. You can't win your argument with somebody when it's, when you're, uh, you know, you, fighting, arguing with a demon uh, is not going to get you anywhere. Casting out a demon gets you a whole lot of places. Okay? So, uh, distinguishing of spirits... The ability to discern the type of spirit, both good and bad, in any situation. The judging and distinguishing of spirits. Um, to accurately discern the spiritual atmosphere in a room or a place or a person uh, and the category of spirits involved. In other words, is this of the Holy Spirit or another spirit? Uh, Jesus actually made mention of that. You don't know what spirit you are, uh, you're of. And since that you're talking to me, you're one of my disciples, and you don't even know by what spirit you're talking right now. There's a distinguishing of spirits. You and I need to be able to spiritually discern what's going on in the room. And you can have a conversation with somebody who is a born-again Christian who is influenced by another spirit at that moment, at that time, and you need to recognize, is this in the natural? Is this Holy Spirit? Or are they battling or dealing with another spirit? And I think Christians are weak in this area. And I personally think we should pray that God would uh, give us more distinguishing of spirits. And he would help us in discerning these things in our lives. Let me give you an example of a discerning of spirit in the scripture. In Acts chapter 16. And it happened that they were going to the place of prayer. Where were they going? To the place of prayer. A slave girl having a spirit of divination met us, who is bringing her masters much profit by fortune telling. So here's a girl who's a fortune teller, and she's making money doing it. And she's not making money for herself. She's a slave, so she's actually making money for other people. But she had a spirit of divination. Say divination. Following after Paul and us, she kept crying out saying, These men are bondservants of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. She continued doing this for many days, but Paul was greatly annoyed. And he turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And it came out of her that very moment. Distinguishing of spirits. Here's somebody that joins the prayer line. We're heading to pray. We're going to pray. Now, obviously, this took days. She didn't just show up for an hour. This was many days on this journey. This girl was there. And she was... Uh, she was a fortune teller and she was making money and she was saying this great statement. These apostles are men of God and they are men and servants of the most high and they will show you the way of salvation. Is that a true statement? 
Absolutely, yes. These are apostles. They're men of God. And they have, you know, the, the apostles posse with them. And they're men of prayer and women of prayer. And they're going. And they have a message of salvation. This is awesome. Wouldn't you want somebody cheering you on? Say, hey, these are great men of God. You're a great woman of God. You are doing such a wonderful job. I just love the way you're operating. And this went on for days. She's encouraging them. This actual evil spirit is saying truthful things. And how many of us would have just fallen into the flattery? Thank you. Thank you very much. You, you don't have to keep saying it. I know you said it yesterday, honey. You don't have to keep saying it. You know, it feels good when you tell me these things. Yeah. And finally, Paul's annoyed. He and I probably get along in the same manner right there. Like after many days, wouldn't you be annoyed? And he was annoyed. And he, he, and he said to the spirit. Put put that scripture back up, please. The last one in there. And he said to the spirit. Who did he talk to? Not to the girl. The distinguishing, the discerning of spirits. I don't know. Maybe Paul, maybe it took him a day to recognize that she was off of another spirit. Maybe it did. I'm okay with that. He didn't have to know immediately. Maybe it took two days for him to recognize, you know what? This girl is of another spirit. It's not Holy Spirit that's motivating her. She's saying the right things. Hello? And Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her at that very moment. It's amazing that it came out of her at that very moment, but it took many days to get to the moment. What have you not been discerning? I don't say this in a condemning way. I've been there myself. I am there, quite frankly, oftentimes where I'm asking God, give me discernment to see what's actually the motivating factor behind uh, these thoughts and actions. Even though they sound good. They sound great. All of us are susceptible to spirits, other voices leading us the wrong way. Saying the right thing, but under the wrong spirit. And so I needed discernment in my life. I needed somebody in my life to have discernment over me saying, Bill, you're battling this spirit. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And they're like, yes, you are. And I had to get that freed from me so that I could think clearly and listen clearly from Holy Spirit rather than another spirit. Are you listening? What does your home life look like? When you operate in the distinguishing of spirits. When your kids come home from school. And you're thinking, what spirit are they operating under right now? What does your work situation look like? If you actually walk in and you see spirits. Even when the person's saying the right thing, you know they're motivated by the wrong reason. I tell you, if you were operating keenly in that gift, there would be lots of people coming to you for help and advice because you could see what they were dealing with. And I feel like the the body of Christ has a key for unbelievers in the world, and that's recognizing what spirit is taking place in the earth. Remember, this is not street smarts. This is not common sense. This is an actual gift of discernment, not just not just you knowing what that deal looks like on the street. You following me? Uh, power gifts. Let's talk about the power gifts. Uh, faith uh, is in the category of power gifts. Now, here's the understanding. We all have a measure of faith. We are given a measure of faith. As a matter of fact, you cannot please God unless you walk in it's by faith that we please God. And so I'm a man of faith. You should be a woman of faith. You should be a man of faith. We are all, if you're a believer in Christ, you get saved by faith. It's all faith. And God wants all of us to have faith. And you please God by faith. So this is another level of faith. This is not just something like, oh, increase my faith, Lord. No, no, no. This is a gift of faith, which means that, and you see this gift it's used and oftentimes it's kind of in conjunction with the working of miracles and, and even in prophecy and such because you're believing God for something that's so outside of your sphere of influence or power. That's how the gift of faith works. And um, I remember 
before I received a prophecy uh, from a prophet who said God was giving me the gift of faith. Now, I had not known that before. Nobody told me that before. I didn't even ask God for that because here's what I was figuring. I was like, you know, it's like the working of miracles and stuff. I was like, you know what? If if I ask God for that, that means I'm always going to need a miracle. <laughs> if I ask God for faith, that means I'm always going to be needing something. <laughs> That's just the way I was thinking at the time. I'm not saying it's holy thoughts. I'm just saying that's what was I was thinking. I was like, a gift of faith. That means I'm gonna be like have this giant need, and and I did. It was called Oasis City Church because I didn't know that we were gonna plant the church. And so in that process, I recognized that there was faith inside of me that I didn't know I had access to. There were things that I began to declare and decree and pray for that were outside of my normal authority, my sphere, anything that I could negotiate, talk to, have a conversation about. I was actually praying for things way outside. It was, it was the ability to pray for a church when you sell your house and you move with your friends to another city that you don't know anybody and you start a church, a little prayer, uh, day in your living room of a house that you're renting and you don't even own and you're living on your savings account from the house that you sold. You'd like to put the down payment to the house you want to purchase, but you recognize that you just quit your jobs and you move to a city that you didn't know and you have to have faith to start something. It was more than just faith for provision. That's one thing. That's just a level of faith. That's just God will supply all of your needs and you need to believe that. See, the faith for a church was a whole lot more than just God supplying our daily needs. And so I operated in a gift of faith. I don't always operate in that gift, but uh, sometimes, not even oftentimes, sometimes uh, God will give me something and I know I have to pray for it. And I, in the natural, I have absolutely no business praying the kind of prayer that I'm praying. Now, here's what the gift of faith is not. The gift of faith is not faith for you. I'm not praying for you to win the lottery. I'm not praying for me to win the lottery. Now, would I like a few lottery winners in the church? If you're givers, yeah. If you're stingy, find someplace else to go. So I'm not opposed to winners, okay? I just am not operating in my gift of faith for that. It's for other things. Are you hearing me? So I, this is how I look at faith, a gift of faith. This is just the Bill Thumelaris version. Faith speaks a miracle. Faith speaks a miracle. You will know a gift of faith because you have spoken and prayed for something that is miraculous that takes place. And you and I have access to faith automatically. So what if you ask God for a gift of faith and you began to speak miracles in your lives? One of my favorite modern day guys that I've uh, did some reading about is a guy named George Mueller. George operated in faith. He had a gift of faith. Now, in George's lifetime, in 60 years, he was able to care for 10,000 orphans. And that's pretty awesome, right? 10,000 orphans, one man. We support a mission group in uh, George, South Africa. They're amazing people. We've known them for years. They're, they're friends of ours through Bishop Garlington. Amazing people. And they serve something like, I don't know, it's, something, it's over 2,000 orphans a day a day and we support them they have just a ridiculous ministry we send them money uh, they're waiting for us to come and bring a team I mean day and I know other ministries who 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 do thousands a day so if you compare it to what George did in 60 years 10,000 well you know it's like he didn't really do that much come on but George through a gift of faith he supported 10,000 orphans in his lifetime without anybody knowing he was doing it. He didn't have 
a 501c3 in a newsletter for people to give to. He didn't have a church in America sending money overseas. Now, I'm not saying those ministries aren't doing amazing things because they are, and we support them, and that's what we love doing. But George didn't have social media to say, hey, I'm going to be preparing some meals today. Would you like to come? What George had was faith. And I encourage you, just go read some of the stories. They're fascinating. There's stories where he would sit up. His uh, mother would be like downstairs in the, uh, uh, like cooking soup that day. And they would have no other food in the house. They would just have a few ingredients. And George would be up in the attic in prayer. And his prayer wasn't that he would have food to eat. His prayer was that the orphans out in the street would have food to eat. And as he would pray, people would show up at his door with loaves of bread. People would show up for ingredients for soup. People would show up with shoes and all this stuff. And because of his prayer, he would literally call in needs of orphans that they couldn't pray for themselves. He would do it. Stuff would show up and he would go distribute it. And nobody knew. That's a gift of faith. It's so much more, I mean, yeah, gift of faith. Hey, I want God to give us a big land with big building and multi-million dollar facility. And I'm believing God for it. But but somehow I think a practical gift of faith when you're able to feed and care for 10,000 people who have no one else. I think God smiles on that one. Gift of faith. Miraculous powers, the gift of miracles. Now, this is one that, you know, uh, faith works with because, uh, uh, you know, you, you, faith speaks the miracle. I think these miracles kind of go hand in hand. Um, but miraculous powers, oh, wait a minute. Did I skip? I should go to healing. Let me go miraculous powers and healing. Sorry, guys. Uh, I'm on the, I'm on the, the miracle thing. Miraculous powers. I mean, these miracles, these are ones that, that you, you recognize. Uh, like parting the Red Sea. Like God, you know, you were, you live in 2019 for a reason. I don't mean that in a bad way. God did not have me lead Israel out and part the Red Sea. Moses was better at that. And I'm okay with it. I think it's awesome. Lazarus was raised from the dead. I'm talking miraculous power, four days decaying. That's a miracle that takes place. and But God wants to give us miracles as well. And you and I get to operate in miraculous powers. Now let me read to you a miraculous power that's not parting the Red Sea and delivering millions of people. It's not raising a decaying dead body up from the grave. But it's this, it's this, you know, kind of this little story in the scripture that that doesn't seem so big and bad and awesome, but it's a miracle that took place. And it's through the prophet Elisha. In Second Kings chapter 6, So when he went with them, and they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. Sounds pretty basic. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried out and said, Alas, my master, for it was borrowed. That's why I don't lend my stuff out. (laughs) I do let people borrow my books and I pray that they return. If you have any of them, you know who you are. No, you can borrow any of my stuff, just not my car. That's the only thing. The men of God said, where did it fall? So Elisha's involved now. The guy's working. He's just working, man. I mean, he's just working. And the axe head falls off into the water. And he's like, oh no, not because he can't keep working, but because it was borrowed. He's like, oh, what are we going to do? And Elisha, it pulled on his heart. The prophet, the great man of God. And Elisha says, where did it fall? And when he showed him the place, he cut off a stick and threw it in there. And it made the iron float. It made what float? The iron. We know the stick is floating. He said, take it up yourself. So he put his hand and he took it. Now, this is a miracle. This is not a word of wisdom, word of knowledge. As a matter of fact, Elisha didn't have a word of wisdom or word of knowledge. Because he said, just tell me where it went. He could have said, "Uh, the Lord says it's right there. The Lord says, son, you lost something borrowed. That's the word of knowledge. Elisha, the great prophet, no word of wisdom, no word of knowledge. As a matter of fact, he had a word of pity, basically. He's like, I feel for you, man. All right, where did it go? 
it dropped right there. It's a body of water. You don't know where this thing is. Now, I don't know why Elisha did this. I have no idea. It's the same thing like Jesus made mud with his spit and put it in the eye. He could have just created the eye. He didn't do it that way. I don't know why it happened this way. I don't know why. Why go dip in the Jordan seven times. I don't understand the chemistry behind it or the instructions. But he broke a stick off and he threw it in the water and the axe head came floating. That's a miracle. I mean, Yoda does it this way. And the ship comes out of the water. Elisha doesn't do it that way. I don't know why, but I know it's a miracle. Because it could have never happened in the natural, ever. They couldn't even have swam down and found it. They didn't have goggles back then. They didn't have scuba gear. We don't know how, and if you ever drop iron, it's, it's, it's going. An axe head, it's going straight to the bottom. It ain't even, it ain't, it's not even pass and go. I mean, it's just straight. It is not even stopping in the middle. This is a miracle. And that's how miracles operate. Now let's talk about healing. I know I I skipped over healing. Healing is another one of the power gifts. Now, we are all called to heal people. If you want to know what your job description is as a Christian, Jesus said it. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Those four things. If you want to know what God created you for, what's the plan of God for my life? Here it is. Ready? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, cleanse the lepers. I even mixed up the order. It's the same, no matter how you read it. Now, do that if you're a dentist. Do that if you're a barista. Do that if you're an artist. Do that if you're a brain surgeon. Do that if you're a landscaper. See, you don't have to just find a job you love, okay? This isn't, you get so caught up in the job that you forget the purpose that you're in the job. Your purpose on the earth is not to be your career. Your purpose on the earth, and my purpose on the earth isn't to be a preacher. It is what I do. It is a gift that I have. It is a mandate on my life. But without doing those four things, I'm a sucky preacher. Sorry if that offended you. Some of you say that about me anyway, so I'm just saying, kidding. I hope not. The gift of healing extends the healing that we're all called to. We are all called to heal the sick. There is no question about it. We all have that ability. The gift of healing is the ability to go beyond that. I like to say that it's the ability to restore disabilities it's the gift of healing brings restoration to things that are disabled it can be so creative in function that if something's not working right you're not only healing something but you can refashion reform something this is a gift the gift of healing oftentimes works with multiple people at the same time in other words if i have the gift i'm affecting multiple people at the same time let me give you an example of a gift of healing in the scripture would you like to hear it all right so healing in acts chapter 28 It happened that night that the father of Publius was lying in bed, afflicted with recurrent fever and dysentery. Now that guy's miserable. He's on an island with no plumbing and he has recurring fever and dysentery. And Paul went to see him after he prayed and he laid hands on him and he healed him. That's healing. That's not even the gift of healing in operation. That's just everyday Christian healing, right? You can do that. You can heal somebody of fevers. You can heal somebody with dysentery. Next statement. And after this had happened, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases were coming to him and getting cured. That's a gift of healing. When the whole island gets healed, 
That's a gift of healing. It's not just, hey, it worked on that one guy, but didn't work on the next guy. And I don't know why this person didn't get healed. The whole island came to him with their ailments, their disabilities. There was more than sickness. There was deformities. There's all of this, all sorts of things people were born with and stuff that they had for 20 years and stuff that they just got diagnosed with the day before. The whole island comes to Paul. He begins to pray for them and they were all cured. The first guy was healed, but everybody else was cured. That tells me they had stuff that they had been dealing with for a long time. There was a lot of crookedness that God straightened out. Do you love healing? That's the gift of healing. I'm going to speed through the rest. Is that cool? But I'm going to still teach you. We did miracles. Uh, now, the final three, this category is the inspirational gifts. The inspirational gifts. Now, the first one everybody goes, ooh, about, because it's the gift of prophecy. I said, everybody goes, ooh, about it. It's the gift of prophecy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we we love prophecy, um, and we should all want to prophesy. It's the supernatural gift of the Holy Spirit to speak the word and to proclaim uh, things and predict the future. Predict the future. Uh, a guy came to me before and said he was a prophet because he had it on his card that he handed to me. And my response to him was, and he enters prophet, I'm prophet. So I was like, great. And I just said, hey, I'm just curious to something. Tell me what you predicted that came true. And he couldn't answer me in 30 seconds. So what's that tell me? He's like, what did I predict? Hmm. You know, I have words for people. Did they ever come true? I don't know. I actually never followed up with him. Well, maybe you shouldn't have it on the card yet. Now, we should all desire to prophesy. I'm going to read that to you in a second. But the gift of prophet, now let me just say this. The gift of prophet doesn't, prophecy doesn't make you a prophet. A prophet is a five-fold office in the body of Christ, okay? It's a ministry office in the body. Apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, got it? We get that. Uh, but the gift of prophecy doesn't make you a prophet, but you can get better at prophecy. You don't have to be like, you don't have to have the gift of prophecy being this low. You can actually exercise it. And the way you exercise it is by using prophecy. First Corinthians chapter 14. Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For whatever reason, Holy Spirit wants us to prophesy. He wants all of us to do it. If God's giving gifts, that means it's free. And he says, pursue love, for God so loved the world. See how this models together. God so loved the world that he gave. Okay. God loves. So he gave. So the order is love and then give. And when you give, it's freely received, um, received. And so if you receive Jesus, it's free. You don't have to pay for Jesus. You believe you have everlasting life in the same respect. Spiritual gifts follow the same pattern. Earnestly love. We need to love. We need to pursue love, earnestly desire free So guess what happens if you desire free things? He gives them to you. Earnestly the desire, the gifts, the gift, the giver gives the gift, and especially that you prophesy. So the emphasis here means you can desire multiple gifts, but please don't leave out prophecy. Because it's going to help other people in your life. It's not a gift for you. It's a gift for other people. Of course, there are multiple examples of, of prophecy throughout the scripture. And if you're in this church long enough, you, you see prophecy, uh, being given. Um, and so I'm not going to break it down too much. And then finally, tongues and interpretation of tongues. Last week's whole entire message was about your personal prayer language, um, praying in the Holy Spirit. That's actually different than this gift of tongues. What I'm going to determine as a message in tongues. Now, your personal prayer language of speaking tongues falls into this because it is different kinds of tongues. It's a form of, but that's not the only kind of tongue. There's actually a message in tongues, which is like this. It's like if you give a message in tongues, it's a horizontal message, kind of like prophecy. I'm not speaking to God. I'm speaking to people. I give it on this level. If I do that, it's of no benefit to you if you don't understand it. 
demons may hear it, angels hear it, the spirit realms hears it, but you, you hear it, you don't understand it, so you can't apply what I've said. That's why the interpretation of tongues has to work with the gift of tongues, the message of tongues, and when you have a message in tongues and the interpretation of tongues, that is the same as prophecy. It is a, it is a pro- prophetic utterance, a word to bless the body of people. Notice this. It is the interpretation of tongues, not the translation. It's not a word for word translation of a message in tongues. It is the interpretation. It is what is the spirit of the Lord saying by that tongue. And um, it's something that may or may not, you may not always see that uh, in the body of Christ or activating in the church. But it is one of the, uh, both those two are eight and nine of the nine spiritual gifts. And they do work together. Now, there is a gift of tongues that doesn't need an interpretation. And that's the message in tongues where you're speaking a language that you don't know in the natural, but other people do. They don't need an interpreter because they understand the native language. Hello? You go to another country, you go to another people group. You could do that in Columbus, by the way. You can go to a people group who may not speak English and you, God would supernaturally speak to you through their native tongue. You don't understand it. You don't even need the interpretation because they understand every single word that you're telling them. And it's a message, a gift uh, that you're operating in and they're receiving from. I was in a church service where somebody was leading worship. They began to sing in tongues. I've told this story before. They began to sing in tongues. All of a sudden, uh, we, had a, we had several guest ministries and it was a conference, I was standing behind two gentlemen, two gentlemen that were guests in the church. One was the guest speaker. One was his assistant, his armor bearer who was with him. Uh, that guy starts writing, starts writing. Now the worship leader's just singing in tongues. Then we go on and sing the next song. Kind of like Kenny. Where's Kenny? Anyway, that was props, but so kind of, kind of like that. Just, just casual. This person is writing. He turns to his buddy who he's with and he shows them the writing and everyone's eyes are like this. So they go over and they show Bishop Garlington and then they come over and then I'm standing right behind him and I'm like, I want in on this, like whatever he's writing, I want to see. And so I, we get to read and what was the worship leader was speaking a Middle Eastern language and I, I'm, I don't want to say the word because I, 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 I think it's between two different nations and I don't want to say the wrong one. So he was, the worship leader was praying in a language that his, it was his native language. It was the country he was from. And she was singing and he was writing. He's the only one in the room. The only one in the room who understood it. That was a message for him. She didn't know she was operating in that. She just thought she was singing in the spirit. And she was, but it wasn't her personal prayer language. It was actually a message for him. It didn't need an interpretation because he was his own interpreter. And then we took it and we actually read it to the congregation. And it was an amazing word. And it was for him, but it ended up being a word that other people in the room received. That's awesome. I mean, I don't know about you, but that should be like, that's everyday Christian life. I want that every day. Did you enjoy the teaching on the nine gifts? Okay. Well, maybe I shouldn't say enjoy. Did you receive? You know, sometimes you receive stuff you don't enjoy. Like the medicine, you know, you got to receive it and you don't like it. I would like to close out um, the Strange Things series by doing a strange thing. Holy communion is a strange thing. In the natural, it seems kind of awkward. And that's even if you're a believer. If you're a non-believer, it seems really strange. Jesus himself is talking and he tells the people that they will eat his body and drink his blood. It offends people that they leave in the middle of his preaching. Afterwards, his disciples, they were just really confused by this whole deal. And he knows they're upset. And he says, are you going to leave me too? Even Jesus knew this was a strange thing. Now, after 
the resurrection of Christ, the body of Jesus, all of us, they have a revelation of what Jesus was really talking about. And including the Last Supper. Still at that moment, it's like, okay, Jesus says, this is my body. This is my blood. Do this. Remember me. And I know at that moment, even in doing it, I believe that the revelation of it was being unfolded. And shortly after, the disciples, the apostles, they were starting receiving the revelation. You and I can participate in something strange and so real at the same time. If you focus on the strangeness of it, you miss the mystery. You can't solve this mystery because it's a spirit mystery. But God wants you to remember him. Our ushers are coming forward. They're going to pass the elements. Now, the elements are strange in and of themselves because um, they're these kind. And I know they're not the best kind, but it's what we have today. So as the baskets are passing, you'll notice I'm going to give you some uh, instruction here. Aren't you glad we can get instruction and not lose the spirit of God? I mean, he's, he's still just as powerful right now while I'm telling you how to open up a communion uh, cup. There are two layers to this. The top one, the clear one, will give you the wafer and the bottom one will give you to the juice. I recommend uh, knowing that in advance so you don't spill stuff on your clothing and such. As the basket are passing, I just want to read you a, um, a scripture in a moment. But I believe that Holy Communion represents the greatest expression of love of God for his people. Because we weren't at the cross. You could picture it. Hollywood has tried it. You and I weren't there. But right now we're here. And we have these elements, the body and blood of Christ. And this is an expression of God's love for you and I. And we can actually receive it today without having to be there in person 2,000 years ago. There's a similarity between the Passover and the Eucharist, communion, the Lord's Supper. And I want to read you this unique scripture just before we receive so that we can all have this in our mind together. Exodus chapter 13. During the Passover, this was declared. And all the fathers were to say this to their sons during this season, year after year. In verse 8. You shall tell your son on that day, it is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. It's because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. The expression for me makes it very personal. And right now, you are receiving Christ. What is about to take place is you are receiving Christ. Christ is doing something for you that's different than what he's doing for me. Yet it's all the same. And this theme is throughout the scripture. God wants his people to remember what he's done for them. If you'll take the bread. And would you make this confession after me? Say thank you, Father, for the gift of your son. By the stripes that fell on his back. My body is healed from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. Every cell, every organ, every function of my body is healed, restored, and renewed. Now receive the body of Christ. take the cup in your hand. If you'll make this confession. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for your precious blood 
the sin free, disease free, poverty free, life is in your blood. And you sh- your shed blood has removed every sin from my life. Through your blood, I am forgiven of all my sin, past, present, and future. I am made completely righteous. Today I celebrate. I partake of the inheritance of the righteous, which is preservation, healing, wholeness, and provision. Receive the blood of Jesus. The ushers will pass the baskets, and in those same baskets, you can place your waist in there. After you do, would you stand? I would like us to make a confession that has been been stated in the body of Christ for almost 2,000 years. And after we do this, our prayer team will be forward, and we'll pray for the needs, and we'll dismiss you. you would say this I believe in God the Father Almighty let's sing it together creator of heaven and earth I believe in Jesus Christ his only son our Lord he was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary he suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified died and was buried he descended to the dead on the third day he rose again He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, something mysterious something strange and something oh so good is happening in your body and in your life right now because of Jesus.